0: What are the best ways to tap into the biggest opportunities in emerging tech hubs? Today on the Powder Keg Podcast, we'll explore startup growth, relationship building, and diversity in one of the country's fastest growing tech hubs. Welcome to the Powder Keg Podcast, the show that plugs you into the massive opportunities in startups and tech hubs beyond Silicon Valley that are exploding with potential. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and today we have a unique episode lined up for you. This is a conversation we recorded a couple of years ago with four notable tech leaders based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. We dive into some really interesting startup stories, as well as data and insights gathered in Powderkeg's first ever tech census. Indianapolis was our first city to publish what we now call the Tech Census Report. We have since gone on to publish reports in other cities like Nashville, Tennessee, Denver, Colorado, and Cincinnati, Ohio. Today's show will give you an inside glimpse into one of the fastest-growing tech hubs between the coasts, Indianapolis. Our four awesome guests and tech leaders joining me on today's show are, first of all, Yao Enning, who is... uh, At the time of recording of this was the co-founder of Sticks and Leaves and is now the co-founder and CEO of Malomo, a platform that turns shipment tracking into a powerful marketing channel for e-commerce brands. You may recognize him from a couple other episodes of the Powder Cake podcast. John Qualls, who at the time was leading things at 1150 Coding Academy and is now the CEO and president of Purpose HQ. Danielle McDowell, who at the time was the executive director of The Speakeasy, an Indianapolis-based co-working space serving local entrepreneurs and is now the vice president of placement at Kinsey Academy, and Haley Altman. Uh, is our fourth guest who at the time was running her startup Doxley, which has since been acquired by Lytera Microsystems. She is now the global director of business development and strategy at Lytera. The show will not only give you a fascinating snapshot into one of the fastest growing tech hubs between the coasts, but will also give you insight into how to tap into the massive opportunities today, not only in Indianapolis, but in the Unvalley communities all over the country and beyond. So, Let's start the show. In 2017, over a third of respondents—that's 34 percent—saw revenue growth of more than 100 percent, and 20 percent reported revenue growth in excess of 200 percent. That to me is really exciting because it shows that this community is really moving forward and it's moving forward quickly. Um, I, I'm curious with all of your guys' experiences. Maybe, yeah, if you could, if you could start out uh, with us. You know, if you could. If you could talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the growth that you've seen, because you mentioned all of these clients, you know, Cluster Truck, BlueBridge, DoubleMap. What is the key to the growth in companies like that? Uh, and, and what do you think uh, is kind of behind some of these metrics?
1: Yeah, so I think um, Indy, we, we have a, a lot of lack of resources, so it forces you to be really creative about how you build your businesses. So a lot of companies that we work with that we've seen really succeed and kind of become the cream of the crop they're so customer focused. So they they spend a lot of time working with finding customers and then and really uh, trying to figure out those pain points um, and isolating on those things. And I think uh, when you when you understand your customer and, and understand the needs that they have and the problems that they're facing, it's really easy to find more customers that look like that, uh, to to talk to them in a language that they understand and can see a path to how you're going to help them succeed. Um, and so I think you know, th- those are the companies that you see a lot of growth because they've solved the pain point and, and they're able to figure out how to get in front of the customers that, that match that pain point really well. And so I, I think that's that's um, really what drives a lot of growth here.
0: Yeah. That one, Haley, you uh, at Doxley have seen a lot of growth, I know, just in the in the couple of years. How long ago did you guys start? Yeah, Is so, it a couple of years now?
2: Yeah. Well, it, uh, it'll be two in um, uh, well, we launched the company in July of 2016. So in July, it'll Coming be uh, two years. They have a little yeah. birthday party. I know. <laughs> that's awesome. I know. I know. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it has been great. And that's, I think, being able to like partner with some of the law firms in Indianapolis, like Ice Miller has been an incredible help to us, giving mm-hmm. us like intense like feedback on what we're doing. And I think to Yasuan, know, it's like critically important to get that feedback on what, what what do they need specifically and how can you address it? How can you iterate and keep adding things that, you know, continue to add value? Um, so that you can see that. And so finding partners, and I think that's one of the things we you know, we can always do more of, but the more people in the in the city are willing to partner with these startups, the more established companies that can give that feedback, can give people that break that will help accelerate them. So the more we can even do that, I think it just really would accelerate our growth. Um, we have a lot of companies here that would be wonderful partners. So how do we just continue to find those to help grow people?
3: Can I, can I pull that Please thread do. a little bit? Please do. Right? So I think yeah. one of the things that you are, uh, realizing, right, is the opportunity of this kind of Indiana first mentality of always mm-hmm. of always trying to figure out why do we not do this more? Yeah. And that you had local folks who were investing in you early. Right, And I know some of the organizations I've been involved in and done is almost I felt like I had to go get credibility outside of Indiana to get credibility inside mm-hmm. Indiana. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's got to change. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear that with you, I'm going, oh, we may actually starting to figure that out. Like yes. we want to invest in ourselves mm-hmm. instead of having to go fight. When I look at the, the number of that 200%, which I'm excited about, Like, wow, where did that growth come from? How much of that was actually here? and How can we impact that and make that start to rise? Uh, That, I think, is is really going to be key to the whole ecosystem.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I I think the venture studio that Doxley kind of came out of is is a big, Part of that. And of course, that venture studio was one of our partners, yes. you know, along with Radius. Uh, actually, I, I want to name all of these organizations because these are all the organizations that helped us conduct the research. You know, it was Radius, a great content marketing agency. The Speakeasy, of course. Thank you, Danielle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Hyde Park Ventures, awesome uh, venture uh, fund out of the Chicago area, but Tim Kopp leading that here in Indianapolis. Uh, Startup Ladies, Elevate Ventures, Launch Fishers, Launch Indie, 1150 Academy, um, and then Ladies in SaaS, and of course, High Alpha. Yes. dooxy can you tell me a little bit about how Doxley kind of grew out of the high alpha um,
2: yeah no it been, it's been an amazing um, journey with them so I had what,
0: what is a venture studio yeah. let's start <laughs> yeah. there
2: so it is I mean it is really a unique idea yeah. so what they've done is they've um, paired this kind of studio concept where they're gonna launch ideas so a lot of times they have so many you know the four partners you know Scott Dorsey Mike Fitzgerald uh, Christian Anderson Eric Tobias have built amazing businesses that have done a lot in Indiana and they took Took all that and they came together with a group of people, designers, um, you know, engineering, uh, um, marketing, finance, and they put all that those people together and they help form these new companies. So they, they will form the companies in the studio, a lot of times taking their own ideas and then finding a CEO and an executive team to kind of build the company around. But they also provide early capital so that the first thing a company is doing when they're bi- focusing on building is actually focusing on building a company as opposed to searching for capital. And so they, they pair this incredible um, experience of actually building and scaling software companies with... Um, Um, capital to help companies really accelerate in the growth model. And you see it, I I mean, Zylo launched around the same time we did and just did a $9.3 million raise with Bessemer leading the round and like an incredible like series of investors that kind of made that up. So Mm -hmm. they've really done something where you can get started, be focused on building your company, understanding the fundamentals of what you need to do, Mm -hmm. and then really kind of hitting the ground um, running
4: with that.
0: I I I love that. It's been so cool to see the growth out of that. Well and, and Danielle, I can speak to that. Yeah, I, mean, I would love to, I, I would love to hear your So thoughts three
4: on that. of the four of those guys invested in the business that I had in twenty twelve and mm-hmm. they took a chance. I mean, what we were talking about really wasn't um necessarily popular in Indianapolis. And by having their dollars in, it really helped us to advance the idea and the concept, which then ended up you know Ended up with an exit. So, um, as I start to look at some of these common threads, to your point, John, I think that collaboration is probably one of the key elements that makes Indianapolis special, as well as successful in driving this growth. Um, you know, the Speakeasy. So, you know, two of the four of those guys also started the Speakeasy back in 2012, and so it was born because of the the desire to allow for tech companies to share and collaborate on their ideas and understand where where the hurdles were and also where the opportunities were. And when you bring a, a community together and you allow them to create a knowledge base that's shareable and open and honest and you know you're able to have that conversation with someone and tell them where the pitfalls might be as well as where you know the opportunity might be, I think that's where we start to see this collective growth across the board, which it's not just one group or one company or one studio. It's Everybody winning together. And I think that's what makes Indianapolis special. We have this collaboration. Hoosier hospitality is a real thing. We've got these Midwest values. We want to help each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I've literally worked with all of you in some way, shape, or form, or capacity over the last 10 years. And it's a special thing.
0: Can you talk to me a little bit about the growth out of Speakeasy? I mean, by now you have such an awesome, like (laughs) cohort after cohort of companies coming out of there and still officing out of the Speakeasy. What's happened since 2012?
4: Oh, goodness. So, um... You know my purview to the speakeasies. I was a member to begin with. I was one of the first members of the speakeasy and launched my company out of the speakeasy. It's where, um, you know, a small company could look bigger than we were. We hosted executives from New York, executives from Texas, um, that ended up purchasing our company. So uh, it was a huge benefit to have that space available to us uh, because other, you know, we were really otherwise just working coffee out of our shops, homes, homes yes. and coffee shops, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to be in that coffee shop. Yeah, let me clean the table so you can <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. So, uh, I mean, the Speakeasy was huge to the success of my own personal company. Um, when I, uh, So I took over the role of executive director in 2015. Um, we had about 150 members. And at that point, we had launched about 200 companies or so, uh, which include some high alpha portfolio companies like Lessonly, uh, Verge, PowderKeg. You know, really got to start there. Um, I mean, the the list is is pretty wide. Um, you know, at that time we had about 150 members when I took over. As we sit here today, we serve about a thousand people. That's awesome. So, um, you know thank you uh, their numbers i think more than anything it speaks to the you know how hungry our community is and how willing they are to participate on this you know in this tech scene and that desire to learn how to code learn how to advance companies learn how to you know dive into the nitty gritty of what it takes to start and run a tech company as well as a tech community so it's exciting
0: it's really exciting uh, i think We could probably sit here all day and talk about the things we're excited about. Yeah. But I want to dive into some of the report that maybe is less exciting, which is that uh, the number one issue uh, that was identified by the Indianapolis Tech community that's holding it back is access to capital. Mm -hmm. Now, I can tell you from traveling around the country to cities across the U.S., between the coasts, on the coasts, I would say... Anecdotally, this is probably the number one issue nationwide sure, right. uh, as mm-hmm. well. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that it's something that that right now Indianapolis uh, still I, obviously identifies as a number one issue. Um, I'm curious to know: is that something that you guys uh, have experienced yourselves, uh, or is that something that uh, you could uh, you could say we're we're already making steps towards this? Uh, Danielle, I, I know you you were just talking about your company, <laughs> but I, I I think this could yeah. be a good good place to start because. Sure. It gives us a, a little bit of a litmus test, you know, starting yeah. your company and what year was it? Was that 2000?
4: Uh, we started our raise in 2012. In
0: 2012, yeah.
4: In, I'm sorry. We started in 2011 and we closed it in February of 2012.
0: Okay. Yeah. What was that like? Did, did you feel like you had access to capital?
4: Um. You know, uh, I'm a very strategic and focused person. Um, there were a couple the options were limited. I will say that. So we did the majority of our fundraise from angels, individual angels. And so it took a lot of time for us to go out and, you know, pitch our company over and over and over again, which I I don't think that that's an, I don't think that that's exclusive to Indianapolis. Sure. Um, from there, you know, there were really only two groups that were, were accessible at the time in 2012. That was Gravity Ventures and Elevate Ventures. Um, you know, we, we were able to receive capital from both of those funding groups. Um, but I can't tell you how many people who were in my peer group that really it, there was only a limited amount of capital available, right? So if you're only, if there are so many companies that are willing and able to start these ideas and there's a limited amount of funding, you know, it's a, it's a pretty tight competition on who receives those dollars. So um, I think for Indianapolis that continues to be Uh, an issue that plagues our community. Um, I think it's getting better, but we're we're still, I'm still seeing good ideas continue to go unfunded. And I see good ideas that, um, you know, companies are required to bootstrap. And um, I think that an infusion of capital would allow those companies to you have to fill the pipeline, right? Yeah. It's a numbers game. <laughs> One out of 10 is gonna make it, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're able to fuel that growth by investing in companies, I think we're gonna see more successful companies on the on the other end of it, well, so. And
0: to your point, Danielle, uh, we showed this stat on the live stream um, but for those that are maybe just listening audio version only, um, <laughs> one of the stats from the report was that the majority of the entrepreneur respondents, uh, and it's actually 54% mm-hmm. uh, are bootstrapping their tech companies and half struggled to raise capital in the state of Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pretty telling that there's still a- an issue there. Um, especially when you, when, it when, uh, some of the data we'll get into, uh, later showed that over half the companies were doing over a million dollars in revenue. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's not like these are just like.
4: So these are not just whims. Yeah, yeah. these aren't yeah. these aren't right.
0: some like crazy idea. No. These are real companies yes. doing doing real revenue. real things. Mm-hmm. One uh, of th- oh yeah, sorry, go I was ahead. Yeah. jump in. One, one of the things that I think
1: um, maybe maybe causes some of that is so we have a lot we have tech exits that are really focused on marketing technologies, yes. and so there there are a lot of companies that aren't doing Martech, and it's not to say that an investor shouldn't invest in martech companies because a lot of the people that have made their money have made that's it in that industry yeah so
0: that always helps to have industry connections yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly
1: exactly but when you're looking for funding you're not just looking for money you're looking for for tacticians and strategy um and if somebody doesn't know your industry even if your idea is good and you're a great entrepreneur and the market looks really good they may still not want to fund you mm-hmm. so i think that's one thing that we have to figure out how do we how do we get more domain expertise With money behind it um, that are looking at these companies differently. um, Because there are a lot of companies that are not doing Martech in Indy that are doing something. Incredible, incredible things.
2: Well, and the thing is, you look at and I, I'm, I'm on the and Danielle's with me on it on the Venture Club board. And One of the things we're focused on is how do you bring more capital into mm-hmm. Indiana? How many? How do you bring more funds? And um, but there's a good point though. If we're always looking to bring other funds to Indiana to put money in, then when there's a big exit, that money actually goes outside of Indiana, so it mm-hmm. doesn't stay in here. Right, yeah. So we do have yeah. all of these entrepreneurs that when they have a successful exit, they stay, they do something else, they contribute back to the committee community, they invest more. Mm-hmm. But how do we take all of that? residual capital that's around the state of indiana there are a lot of you know mm-hmm. successful people that are in warsaw with all the med device companies yes. that are there there's are mm-hmm. successful people all around the state that are all in different industries outside of just mm-hmm. the marketing tech industry and so how do we get those people to kind of come together and i'm hoping with like the next level fund and mm-hmm. things that are going with yes. that that we can get more people to put funds together but we also need more fund managers because yes. the only way you're going to get funds that are here is if there are people that you can feel confident and doing yes. it, you see it with Drive in Columbus having two former Sequoia mm-hmm. people. You can pull together residual capital from the rest of the state. So how do we find ways to collectively aggregate that capital so it can go towards other investments in other areas um, and really help kind of spur that growth and then potentially leverage the money that's coming from next level the next level fund. And so it's not just supporting the funds that are willing to invest in it, which we we where capital wherever it comes from is needed to help grow our companies, mm-hmm. but it'd be fantastic if
4: we could find yes. ways to do it with inside our state as well. Let's activate those silent angels. All you yeah. silent angels out there, yeah. come on out!
0: Yeah. I Love it. Yeah. You're an accredited investor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. That's right.
4: We'll send you a form. Uh, I know lots of entrepreneurs.
0: <laughs> I would love and to PPM. talk to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. John, I know you had a little bit different experience raising capital in what was that? 2008, maybe? 2006, I think. Six, uh, okay. I think I've been I've been very
3: blessed uh, on that. Uh, my my personal commitment. to kind of listen to your stories. Is I want to make ten investments this year, right? Mm-hmm. Small investments. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm personally passionate about those that are in a really really early stage, mm-hmm. and I just kind of want to make 10, mm-hmm. 10 small bets for, for many you, reasons personally, yeah. but also that's uh, awesome. That's I want actually awesome. it's not completely altruistic. I want I want my twenty uh, something <laughs> children to be exposed to to ten to twenty stories so mm-hmm. they can see that. Right, so how I, there's so much I wish I would have known in my 20s that I didn't learn to my 30s or 40s, and so this is my opportunity one to expose that to them, but also to be able to get those those individuals who are bootstrapping it, and, and sometimes you know this that 25 or 50 thousand dollars makes a big big difference, yeah, yeah. and uh, so not only do I want to do that, but I also want to bring in other people like myself and say, hey, let's let's make some bets down here, right? Mm-hmm. And, and because that's what's what it takes. That's where it starts. And sometimes mm-hmm. you know, that starts it's, the momentum. It's, it's really tough there in, in the in the early piece. And I think as far as the speakeasy and launch fishers, I feel so blessed to be part of watching this excitement. I, I can see their their passion, and, and I want to be able to be be part of that on their journey, right? Mm-hmm. And offer some some advice. Uh, I got some scars and some failures <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as well, right? So I want to be able to. I'll show to, you to my battle that. scars. <laughs> <laughs> but I was speaking to a young entrepreneur the other other day, and and I really liked her idea and I thought, Oh, this is, this is great. I'm definitely going to do something here. And I said, well, you know, go, go raise this piece. And, and she said, well, the way you just say that, um, she goes, but you're kind of like a known entity. I have, I got, and I, I had never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of felt like, well, we'll just go, go make that happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And so that made me step back and say, well, I need to find a way, not only to do it myself,
0: but to encourage others to do the same. So. How, how did in calling you a known entity, uh, what, what was she talking about and how did you become a known entity, you know, even even prior to 2006 when you raised your, your first funding for BlueLock, uh, which is a great cloud computing company here in, in Indianapolis? Yeah, I, I,
3: I wish I had the magic formula. I, I kind of feel like um, it was just kind of a long period of hustle and an investment in the community. Uh, if you remember, I used to have this thing, the IT peer group. I did that for five years, you know, like 100 people uh, a month. And then, you know, over time you, you meet thousands of people and you have these thousands of connections and I'm very passionate mm-hmm. about making connections and you know if you look at what the speakeasy is doing is it's actually making that happen so uh That's to me I think of
4: my job <laughs> I think just getting
3: being part of the community you know I always like uh, uh you know from a sales standpoint someone say wow uh, I worked all all a quarter to make this one thing happen you got a call in 30 minutes mm-hmm. and you yeah. and you did something three times as large and I was like, no, 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 you missed, you missed the five years, right? right. Yeah, yeah, right? right, right, right. You, you missed right. the time where I missed this opportunity three times. Right. This is my fourth time, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's just, just being consistent, genuine, authentic, right? That's, that stuff rises to the top.
2: I, yeah, think that's, no, I think that's a great point. And that's like when some people ask me, like, how did you, you know, how do you end up where you are and things like that? But when I came back to Indianapolis from Silicon Valley, because that's, I went to, I worked in Silicon Valley for three years and I got an incredible experience, learned a lot, came back, but I wanted to make partner at a law firm and I knew no one in the city because I'm not, I, I came here in high school from Texas. So I had I didn't have this like base of people even before I went to California. So I came back and I was like, you know, and I don't always love going to all the events and, and trying to make small so talk. About I had challenged myself every time I go, I'm going to talk to one more person than I talked to the last time. And I'm like, even if it makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to do it. But the more people you know, the more connections you make, when you make authentic connections where you're not just what can you do for me? It's like, what can I do? How can I connect you to you? And and like, I think that's what people miss is that you have to start to build that network. you got to build those authentic connections where it's it's just, you just are connecting people and you're getting to know people because then later that'll, it'll be something that kind of comes back. And I think from um, when I've talked to the ladies in SAS and, and different, I talked to the startup ladies this week. I think one of the things it's like, you know, when you're, you know, you're starting your business and you're a woman, you're nervous about there because you hear the diversity stats. And you know that it's gonna be more of a challenge. You you kind of internalize that challenge and you kind of stay within yourself and you're like, okay, well, I'll do this and I'll prove people, I'll prove people wrong. But it's like get out there, meet more people, go. And I think that's what is so great about having these groups like ladies in SaaS and the startup ladies and, and having the powder cake events where people can get together or go right. to the speakeasy. It's like we've got to get more people around the table to say you can do this. It is a challenge, but any startup is a challenge. And so you just have to meet that head on. And if mm-hmm. we continue to have the conversations and open more people's minds and open more investors' minds as well, you know, then they'll start to see these companies. But it also comes down to teaching people how to pitch, how to present their company in a way that resonates. And so by having more conversations and, and getting more people together and saying, okay, what can we do to help people get to that next level? I think that will be what's really powerful to get people out there and in front of the right.
0: Well, and I have to compliment you, Haley, because you definitely led by example there. Uh, I mean, I remember when you came you know, fresh <laughs> off the plane from Silicon Valley and you're like, hi, I'm Haley. I'm a lawyer. I know you probably think that I'm here to sell people, but I'm just trying to help startups. Yeah. So they don't have to pay me. I want to help. I spent all this time helping companies in Silicon Valley. And I mean that, that made a huge, huge yeah. impact. Uh, and, and I think the community embraced you because yes. you're like, Hey, I just wanna help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, that, that sort of help first mentality is huge. Yeah. And, and I
3: wanna I wanna compliment you for being being vulnerable and recognizing you know, a lot of people say, "Well, that's just not my thing." This is a muscle that you can learn. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Right, mm-hmm. and it's. I'm a very introverted person. I actually went and got a book called "The Art of Mingling," and I read it. <laughs>
4: same
3: <laughs> right? John, same. Yeah. And so, and, and I literally, uh, I was reading all the moves, and I would go into these meetings and and, and do that. But uh, and it was it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. But then what I, what I found is is one of the things got yeah. some moves, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I, I, to me, the breakthrough for me personally was whenever I went into the room, I tried to find someone who was just as uncomfortable as I was. <laughs> yes. Uh, right? You can always find them on the corner, yes. uh-huh. right? you know, over <laughs> the in the so yeah, I yeah, just yeah. go and introduce myself and ask them how they got there and what they expected to be there for. Yeah. And that began so many conversations and, and you're right. It's a muscle that can be learned. People should, should recognize that.
0: Yeah. And you have
1: so. to learn it as an entrepreneur. You, you, you absolutely have to learn, so you it. Have to learn, right. learn it. Yeah. Right. You've got Sink to figure swim. out how to,
4: yeah, yeah. How to, how to meet Fight people. Or
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: Learn well, that the, muscle. And a, yeah.
0: a lot of people don't know this, but I learned that skill from you, John, you know, working at Blue Lock for a year and a half. Uh, your stories about starting Anita and the IT professionals group. That was the inspiration for starting what is now Packers and, right? yeah. and Founders, right? Packers and Founders. Did, did verge, I not buy they... I think I bought the first pizza. I think you did. I think you did. Back good. in the church. Uh, yep, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. No, this is no, this pre- pre We're going way church? back. back. Oh, oh, I think we're it was in a room guys. in the back of the data center, right? Oh man! my gosh, I remember that one. Now I'm really feeling old Table. Yes,
3: I'm really feeling old now.
0: It's awesome. Well, I want to segue because there's a lot of topics here, a lot in the Indianapolis tech census report, which you can download right now at powderkeg.com. There's a link right there on the homepage, totally free. Uh, this is valuable, not just to people in Indianapolis. So if you're tuning in from somewhere else, um, please uh, learn a little bit about our ecosystem. I think there's a lot to learn you can apply in your own ecosystem. And for those that are in Indy, there's a, there's a lot to be gained on how to plug in and how to take advantage of some of the, the strengths and figure out where the weaknesses are and how to help. Um, the next topic I want to talk about is talent. You know, even if you do get funding, even if you are successfully mm-hmm. bootstrapping, talent is still a huge issue. Um, and I want to share a couple of stats. Um, first of all, as a community, we're ready to identify a talent gap, especially with regard to development talent. Uh, 80% of developers surveyed are 35 or younger, while a third of developers are 21 to 25 years old. Wow. Uh, the majority of developers have been members of the indie tech community for five years or less. So a lot of newbies in here, a lot of people just plugging in, which is exciting. Um, but I know that that, that causes some uh, challenges and obstacles that we've got to be thinking about uh, ahead of there. John, you talk to a lot of developers every day with what you do with uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 1150 do, right? and, and, and soon-to-be developers. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what you're seeing on the ground with these newbie uh, newcomers into the talent pool?
3: Well, I think there's, a, uh, there's this growing interest of finding a way to get to the market faster. So I think kind of the immersive style is continuing to gain some, uh, some credibility. Uh, I think there is a, a, there's also kind of this challenge about um, what I call the debate between education and training, mm. right? Uh, what I'm seeing from the employers is uh, it's not saying I don't have uneducated people. I just don't have people who have the skills that I need, right? And I think that is the shift that we're seeing not only here, but everywhere. Mm. And I think from, from the Academy standpoint, we're trying to figure out how to, to get us up to par with the coast and all those other pieces, right? Try to be really aggressive, uh so you have you gotta bring them in, right? And then you gotta get them out there and get those early level uh, you know those first jobs, right? And that's what we're kind of really focused on is that early level talent. There's a thing everybody wants somebody with three to five years of experience who wants to make less than market. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I call them uniform you know, unicorns, purple squirrels, whatever you want to call those, right? And and <laughs> heard that one. We're, we're gonna continue to to fight, right? We either gonna have to drag them here to Indiana, um but, but I feel very passionate about all the talent, the potential talent we need is here. We we just need
0: to invest in it, train it, believe in it, and give it a shot. Danielle, are the companies that you're seeing in speakeasy getting the talent that they need right now?
4: Oh my goodness. Talent, especially tech talent. Um, I mean, I can speak personally. That was the biggest challenge that we had with the company that I ran. Um, We brought in someone who said that they were an experienced developer. And um, as soon as we got our funding, required a down payment. And literally rode off into the sunset. I mean, $40,000 of our capital raise just walked out the door and he didn't finish the project. I mean, it was a huge, Mm. I I mean, you want to talk about battle scars. That is my battle scar. So, um, you know, finding and continuing to find a CTO for that company was just literally a daily battle that we endured. And so, um, I mean, I have to say at the, we just need more, um, and we need, good talent. You know, I think that there are more things than just, you know, there's, there's education and then there's the skills to know how to build it. And then there's also soft skills of what you need around the boardroom, right? So if you're going to be a CTO and if 80% of our developers are 35 or under, you know, there are some soft skills that need to be educate, you know, taught as well. So, um, I think that there are some companies that are, are really starting to wrap around that. You know, I think we have a great company. Uh, there's a company called Apprentice of whom uh, essentially will take your tech talent and help to train them up while they're working on your projects. I think that's a really interesting idea and concept. Um, and they're really, they're passionate about teaching the soft skills as well. You know, they know that this is young talent. We have to take a risk on young talent because that's where the majority of our Pipeline. You know, is, in three right? years,
3: they'll have three years' experience. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we, we can sit around and complain for three years. Yes, or, or, we, or can we can just start, do it. Yeah. Start, start building it, and in mm-hmm. three years, they'll be there.
4: Nurture them, mentor right. them. I yeah. mean, that's what that's what we need to focus on. Is make yeah. as opposed to you know turning this into a competition to see who can get to CTO the fastest. You know, take a risk, take a jump, and commit to mentoring that person. I think that that is the biggest thing that tech leaders can provide to this talent pipeline that's coming up through the ranks. Please mentor them, teach them what you know, open up, be vulnerable. You know, thank you, Haley, for being vulnerable. Um, Tell them, show them your battle scars, but also teach them how um, how to be better, right? We want them to be, the ones we, we see, want our next generation They're to be sponges.
3: Better. They, they are they do, desperate they are. for they're, this. They're, right? they're
2: hungry for it. Yeah, so they're we hungry.
4: have, um,
2: our, our VP of engineering came from a lot of experience um, and uh, he had 16 years of experience. But when we were looking to hire a team, you know, we had a tech fellow that we started with and Ben has been incredible for us. Like he just jumped right in. And then we also. Well,
0: can you talk a little bit uh, about what the tech fellowship yeah. is?
2: So the, the Tech Fellow is a program um, through TechPoint that helps um, identify, you know, kind of computer science majors, other people that have, you know, kind of tech experience coming out of Purdue and other universities, trying to get them into and get jobs at Indiana companies doing, you know, um, engineering and technical work. And so... You know, right out of college, these kids are jumping in and jumping full force into, into companies. And so we were fortunate that he was able to jump in and like the learning, his acceleration has been incredible. But then we also brought in three people, um, from the iron yard. We were looking for trying to find at different points in time, people that had a little bit more experience, but we couldn't. And we were like, you know what? We will take the risk and we will, we know we have a good leader. That is an incredible mentor. Moses just works with all of the team and just makes them better. They have lunch and learn. They have all these different things yes. where he teaches them more stuff. And so, so, you know, Maggie and Isaiah and Kendrick all came from the, the Iron Yard and they are all incredible, but they're so hungry and they're mm-hmm. so driven to succeed and to grow and develop. And so, you know, we yes. have a young team, but they have built so much in, you know, in, in less than two years. That's and so cool. it's yeah. really exciting to see. <laughs> and, you know, we also have an Or fellow um, yeah. at our company as well. And you see these, um, you know, these um, opportunities in Indy around, you know, tech, the tech fellowship and the OR fellowship and, you know, more of these different things. If we can have those, they, they not only provide people with the skills to get started, but they also provide some of the soft skills as well. So the more we can do that, the better and easier it'll be for people to bring Mm -hmm. in people with that earlier level of experience.
0: You mentioned the OR fellows and we all nod our heads because we're insider baseball here. Yeah. Um, But I was an OR fellow and and John was my mentor. Yao, you were an OR fellow in the class that recruited me into the fellowship. Uh, Could you talk a little bit about what the OR fellowship is? Like O-R-R, named after (laughs) former Governor Bob OR uh, fellowship? Yes, absolutely. So the fellowship was actually started by
1: the founders of Angie's List. And I think one of the big things, so Bill Osterly um, was a big driver of that, who worked with Scott Brenton and Angie to launch a fellowship. And what they were seeing was, they, they're building this company. It was, you know, they were one of the, the, the OGs in, in Indianapolis building tech um, and they were struggling to find talent. And, and it, was, it was a hard pitch to make to these, these uh, students that were graduating from school and their first instinct is to go to the coast um, because that's where tech happens, right? And so they, they tried to think through, uh, Bill Osterly had his own fellowship with Governor Bob Orr and that's where he kind of created the name for this.
0: Uh, and I it was had a- coffee with him recently. Oh, did you? And he actually mentioned that it was sort of modeled after the Kauffman Foundation Fellowship, the ah, Kauffman Fellowship. Yeah, which is yeah. something Kauffman. I never knew. Yeah, but it makes total sense when you yeah. think about that yes. that lineage. That, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, but, no, no. That's uh, that's great. It was something I learned recently that. Yeah. Uh, I want to share. Yeah.
1: So, like in that, looking at that model. Uh, two years where you can get exposure to senior leaders if you've got an interest in entrepreneurship. Um, as as a student coming coming out of college, getting access to that, building a network. So moving to a new city, you don't know you know anybody there, and so instantly getting that that peer network, um, and and you're hungry and you're driven. Uh, so that's what the fellowship kind of pitches to to students and and it's an opportunity that a lot of people just they feel like they can't pass up. And so, you know, for for maybe 10 or 15 years, that's no, probably not that long. Maybe 10 years, the fellowship classes were only 8 to 10 people. Mm-hmm. Um it's a small cohort and you, that momentum starts to build and you see that those fellows kind of graduate and they're having their own success and they're starting their own businesses. They then understand how powerful that network was, so they start hiring our fellows into their organizations and it kind of snowballs from there. So, I think the Orr fellowship has done a Tremendous job of elevating um, the brand of the Indianapolis tech sector within that university system to get those students (laughs) to look at Indiana and Indianapolis as a place where tech is actually happening,
0: so. I know it kept me in Indiana. Yeah, me too, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Well, I I would love to talk about talent uh, all day because it's clearly a big issue. Um, But one of the things that came up um, in the report is around the topic of diversity. Um, which I I think it's really awesome that we were able to fill this room with a a diverse group. Of course, we could always have more diversity. Um, But I I think getting some different perspectives on this would be really helpful. But I wanted to start by sharing some of the stats from that section of the report. Of course, there's a ton in this report. Again, you can download it at powderkeg.com, totally free. The goal of the report is to give a snapshot of the Indianapolis tech community. And the snapshot of diversity is that diversity and equality is the issue the tech community would like to address most. I thought that was really cool that the entire tech community uh, overwhelmingly said that diversity is the thing they're most passionate about making an impact on. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, I think that that's because of some of these other uh, stats, which is that on a scale of one to 10, uh, one being less and 10 being more, respondents give the tech community an average score of 4.4 on diversity and a 6.3 on inclusivity. So I think we've got some work to do there. Um, But then also we have 30.4% of the workforce respondents that were female and 9.61%, only 9.61%. The fact that it's less than 10% uh, is shocking. Uh, We're part of an ethnic minority. Um, So interesting stats there, but I wanted to start first about uh, the stat of diversity and equality being the most important social issue. Um, and I was really pleased to hear that. John, is that surprising to you? We were talking on the elevator coming up to the office today, yeah. and we both kind of said, not surprised at all that this yeah.
3: is. Yeah, I, you know, what's interesting, uh, the academy standpoint, right, we were really focused on diversity. I think in Indiana, uh, if you look at computer science, it's about 7%. We're at about 35%. And I can go over and over as we watch these teams, and we put them together, all, all women team, all men team. Mm-hmm. It's the women and men team that mm-hmm. outperforms everything time. Yes. And it, it's yes. like obvious. Um, so there's, there's that issue. I think the, the issue that we see consistently is we got to figure out the hiring managers, how to help them get past that mm-hmm. piece, mm-hmm. right? Cause we know that it's effective. You see it over and over again, right? Uh, as far as this diversity of thought and diversity of gender race, all those other pieces, right? It really plays into a high performing organization. And when you don't have it, you're missing out on a, just a tremendous amount of, of opportunity from a, a talent standpoint.
0: Danielle, I see you nodding your head over there. Yeah. Um, can, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your own experience and in, sure. in, in building teams and what you're seeing on the ground at uh, Speakeasy? Sure. Um, well,
4: <laughs> where to begin? There's so, yeah. much, there's so much to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really um, uh, you know, a common thread and a common connection that you know I think a couple of us have here is Scott Jones. Um, you know, I I really commend him for um, he I. I I don't think that he saw gender or color uh, when it came to the team that he put together for um, the many companies that he was working on You know, and, 10 and years ago.
0: And Scott, for those that don't know, Scott Jones <laughs> being the guy who invented voicemail, yes. invented <laughs> Grace Note, founded uh, several companies here in Indiana, including Cha-Cha, Social <laughs> L- Ragnarok, where I L-L-50 work. 150 Academy started in his house. Yeah, we all started in his house, right? I didn't mean to cut you off, but for those that maybe don't know the legend of Scott Jones.
4: Yeah. So I think what's interesting is as we sit here today, you know, none of us really, I don't know if I even, as I was creating my company, I was so laser focused on getting things done that I really didn't think about diversity, to be honest. And because of the nature of the industry that my company was in, which was a beauty SaaS, beauty SaaS platform, platform. Um, we had a lot of women that worked for us, almost exclusively women. The only men that were on the team were developers. (laughs) So
3: we're trying to change that. Yeah, right.
4: Exactly. So, um, actually I take that back. We did have one female developer. Um, now that I say that she worked remotely, but we did have one female developer. Um, so anyways, all that to say, I was, I was really oblivious to it while I was starting and running my company. Um, It really wasn't until I took the job at the Speakeasy that this issue really started to Pronounce itself and make itself known. You know, seep itself into our culture. Um, and I think that what's interesting is and awesome about our community is that we're being really intentional about talking about it. Um, I was at an event last night, and we had some political leaders that um, were talking about you know different things that make our city interesting and how we talk about our city interesting. And one of them said, you know, we're not hiding anything. We're not. We're not here to hide anything. And you know, we're putting. We're putting our You know, our deficiencies out there, but we're intentional. You know, the key is being intentional about fixing those deficiencies. And I think as you look around the table here today, we're starting to see progress. And, you know, that's a testament to you, Matt. You have taken this head on. You know, I know that it's not a comfortable. I can tell you, you know, personally, it's not a comfortable thing to talk about. Um,
0: I appreciate you being willing to talk about it. Though. Absolutely.
4: Yeah. It's scary. I've been on the powder keg stage many times, but I will tell you that diversity conversation was one that I was the most nervous <laughs> about because I felt like I was, uh, you know, stepping into landmines all over the place. Um, you know, as I look at the numbers, I'm a numbers person, right? Like I was raised up and trying to understand my business through data analytics and the numbers aren't there yet. That's what I see, and if they're not there, you have to be intentional about fixing it. And if you're intentional about fixing it, you can change those numbers. A single person can do it, and so go do it, people. I mean, we've got it; it's out there, Mm -hmm. right there is a There is a diverse talent pool to pull from. Pull from it. Be intentional.
3: And I got a confession to make, right? So I've been looking at this myself, right? And what I found in the last year. I'm always, it seems like I naturally fell into looking for someone, uh, a young person to help mentor mm-hmm. and how often I just looked at, at some young male to help. Mm-hmm. And so I really started to challenge myself going, well, wait a minute, let me open my mind. Why am I not looking for, for mm-hmm. someone else, right? To help. Because if you think all of you have had someone who's tapped you on the shoulder, saw your potential and started investing in you.
4: Yes. Yeah.
3: And I, I was like, well, I don't think it was intentional on my part. It's just, just somehow it wasn't, uh, I didn't thoughtfully think about it. Yeah. Bias so now, is a uh, human thing. Yeah, there's yeah, bias. Be so, so recognizing the bias and then saying, okay, well, wait, wait what, what am I going to do about this? And I love that we're talking about it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But, Me you too. know, I got this like dude tattoo. There's mm-hmm. what people say and there's what they do. Yeah. And I, at this point I, I, I'm a little older and I only care about what people do. I, yeah, the saying right. piece, they can mm-hmm. keep talking and talking and Start moving their out. mouths. But I'm really interested in what they do. So I've been really trying to uh, I purposely uh, being thoughtful about who I mentor and opening, widening that up. And I challenge every one of you here and on there to take a step back and say, wait a minute, is that a bias that you stepped into? Take a step back and see if you can make a change. Yeah.
2: Thank you, John. I think for, for me, it was interesting. I, I didn't really notice it for too long because, so I grew up, my mom was always like, you can do anything. I, did, th- I didn't even have any sort of belief right. that there was anything that I couldn't accomplish. Like I, I used to swim and I would practice with the boys, like RJ Hallier yeah. and I, he yeah. was one of my first friends in Indiana and we and he's now the CEO of Quantify and um, we would swim together and um, I, I would never even thought about like that there was a, something. And then I was fortunate to work with people in legal, which legal is still a very male industry and and corporate, um, of legal is, is probably Mm -hmm. even more predominantly male, but, um, you know, you know, Ice Miller was one of these great places. They're, you know, they're open to technology, but they're also open to being, you know, kind of trying to see about challenging the diversity side of it as well in the firm. And so I felt like there was nothing that was going to keep me from the opportunities to advance in the firm. And I had great mentors, although when I looked back at it, a lot of my mentors were male. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have that, you know, when oh. I then came over into the tech side. And then someone asked me, well, who are your mentors? And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't. I don't know if I, I have them anymore. And so it's like, what how do we find more ways to get more women the mentorship they need to get yeah. that like kind of leadership coaching to help them figure out how they're gonna get to that next level? Cause I think that's if you if you don't see that pathway forward and there's no one there that can like guide you mm-hmm. to those points, then then it 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 does it does become a challenge and right. so, so it wasn't until, you know, I was able to kind of step outside of the the world that I had kind of grown up in that you start to see a little bit more, you start to see and hear other people's struggles of where they're going and, and it changes, you know, um, as, as I've gone through it, but now I, I see it's like, we've got to find more ways to mentor and give people opportunities. Cause if they can move up into leadership roles and they will feel more confident mm-hmm. to strike out on their own and start their own company. So it, it's really that having that conversation and giving people more opportunity and being intentional about how you hire and how you do things.
4: Okay. It's cliche, but be the change that you want to see the world in the world. Yeah. You know, Haley, you're that role model, you know, yeah, you're that role model, please mm-hmm. do it. And I don't think that this so is exclusive. <laughs> well, um, I don't think it's exclusive to just women either. I think that there is a conversation to be had around ethnicity as well. I mean, wow. let's start having it and let's get intentional about it. Mm-hmm. You know, start working on it, start pushing on it. Because if we, you know, we are the ones around the table that can do it yeah. and and pull those people up through the ranks. Um,
3: yeah. And I get excited about our 35%. But mm-hmm. I don't get so excited about the 6% on ethnicity, Yeah, trying to figure that piece it's out. It's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, I have three daughters. Nine, I, 9%, but nine, nine, not that yeah.
0: much better. But. No, I'm talking about
3: our numbers. Oh, your right? numbers. 1150 okay. Academy yeah. numbers. Yeah. Well, it's good we, you know your numbers. Yeah, it, it, we're looking at it all the time. <laughs> but, but not only um, you know that side of it, I, I have three daughters, and I want them you know to have this opportunity to, to see that. But I also have a son, and I, I hope that there's a, a, a woman who might uh, mentor him and yes. start breaking mm-hmm. down some of his biases when mm-hmm. he's early when he's younger, to start thinking about what it means to be a leader. Right. Mm-hmm. so I'm actually looking for that. Anybody like the he's twenty years old, he's at IU. But uh but send him my way, John. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll yeah, take him under my way. Part of, part of that journey also is teaching the next uh, uh you know group of young men right? What that yes. expectation should look like so they don't fall into the same expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah
0: I'm curious, you know, when, hey, when I first <laughs> met you, I really looked up to you as a mentor, you know, being the Thanks, class, Matt. class above me. I still looked up, look up to you, man. Like the, in terms of like what you guys are doing at sticks and leaves and your, your uh, tech savvy is awesome. Um, I, I always saw you just very fearless in the community, yeah, you know. Yeah. You're always yeah. encouraging me to come out to events. Yeah. Uh, and I was just kind of following your lead. Uh, when you were plugging into the tech community here when you first came to Indianapolis. Um or when you were at Rose Holman studying in in uh, computer engineering. Uh any experiences that you've seen shift over the years? Yeah, uh, so I'm going to be
1: super politically incorrect because I feel like Please th- do. these conversations—be fearless, yeah. Merit that—that's yeah. the real dialogue. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. 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 If we're not going to be real, then why are we even going to talk about it? So, thank you. Um, Coming to Indy, like I was scared. Like when you when you hear about a state where the the KKK had a significant presence, or yep. possibly rumored even started in that state like you're going to be very considered about where you go and where you spend your time. And I I don't think a lot of people understand like what that really means. So whenever I walk into a room, um, you know, if I'm the only African-American in the room, like there's a signal that that's, that gets, you know, portrayed to you or implied Mm -hmm. Um, whether that's real or, or not um, in the back of your mind, you're always, it's always going on. Right. Right. Um, I go, I went to the, the Indiana conference for women several times that as a male, that signal yeah. is there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you, you, you don't see other people there that look like you. So you, the thoughts in your mind are, oh, do I really belong here? Yes. Is this a place for me to feel safe and comfortable? So um, as an entrepreneur, I've always had that um, going on. So even if I, you know, I'm, I'm in a room and I look very comfortable,
0: there's, there's a, a layer of sweat. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the honesty, yeah, man. And, it's hard to imagine. I mean, it's hard to imagine. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, yeah. it's gotten, it's gotten better. So even there, there's an, there's an uncomfort when you're an entrepreneur where you're going into a room. So we, with my first company, we raised capital, um, but we didn't raise in Indiana. And there's a thought in my mind was, was it because I was African-American? Cause I saw a lot of people that I associated with or that I thought, you know, I, I was on the same level with that we're getting funded and we weren't. And we actually we got our funding from the East Coast um, and, and then tried to come back and raise a second round of funding and still couldn't get funded. Or I walk into a meeting where we're trying to land deals and I wonder to myself, well, did I not get that deal because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm African-American or, or because we really didn't present the best case for that for that project? Um, so one thing that now that I, that I do constantly is whenever I, whenever I go, uh, look at a business that I might try to work with, I go directly to the leadership page and I look mm-hmm. at what's the, what's the makeup of that page. Um, because if you're around people, um, uh, well you, you, people tend to, to associate themselves with other people that are like them. So, yes. um, it's natural if the leadership looks like one, they're going to attract more people because that's who on average, they spend a lot of their time with. Yep. Um, if we can find more ways to elevate people who don't look like yourself, you go out of your way to try, try to find those people. They're going to know others within their networks that they can help pull those individuals to your, to your business. So I think Indy's done a great job of elevating the conversation around, um, diversity. Um, we haven't solved that problem. I don't think it's ever going to be a problem that is solved, but we've, we've made a lot of strides in, in, uh, Bringing that that conversation to the surface and, and really a lot of people that are advocates um, trying to bring clarity and, and conversation around it, I think only only helps us move in the right direction.
4: Diverse inputs create diverse outputs. Yes. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Right, Kev. Yeah. And I, yeah and
3: I, <laughs> I, I want to thank you for the way that you you position that because I know for me every time I find myself in a public forum. I think you alluded to this earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I always think it's like a room full of mousetraps. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm not—I'm not sure mice. what I'm going to say. So It's going to set off yeah. someone's trap, mm-hmm. and and they're not listening to my intentions. They're—they they're, seek to be offended first, and not seek to understand first. Yeah. yeah, And that's a real challenge. So I really like the way you positioned that, so that really listen in and understand what your intentions were, and not and not seek to find yeah. that one way to be offended. I see mm-hmm. that. I think that's a cultural problem in the United States. Yeah. But uh, but I think that's when you get the real dialogue. People can be genuine and vulnerable, and this is how I feel, and and I don't have to become offended, or you don't have to. We can say, well,
0: that's that's the real deal. Now, what what are we going to
3: do about it? Mm -hmm. Right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Thank you. I I appreciate all you guys sharing your perspectives. I I could go on and on. It, It is cool to see a lot of companies in Indianapolis making that effort. Uh, to promote a diverse culture, diverse leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, RJ Talier, yeah. who you mentioned previously, yeah. his yeah. team. When you go to yeah. their their company page at Quantify, it, it is clear that they've been very mm-hmm. intentional. He mentioned it in his Rise of the Rest pitch. Yes. Um, it, the the stats are there to back it up. Yeah. Um, and I know there's many many other companies in Indianapolis, PowerCade included. You know, as we think about how we continue to grow and scale, how do we uh, make sure our our team is diverse? Because Frankly, right now, we don't have a lot of diversity on our mm-hmm. team. So it's like, we've got to be very intentional about not hiring another six foot four white guy, right? <laughs> so like, how do, how do we continue to grow and scale? Right, Meg? <laughs> um, so I, I really appreciate this discussion. I would love to continue this discussion. If you're watching on Facebook Live, would love to continue the discussion in the comments, uh, on social media. Uh, let's not let this be the end of the conversation. And let's bring these numbers up for the next report. Mm -hmm. Um, this Indianapolis tech uh, report is just a benchmark for the next one Mm -hmm. and would love to see those, those numbers go up. Uh, and I know we will, if we continue to do the work and have these conversations, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, and thank you, uh, you, the viewer, the listener, uh, for tuning in and being a part of the conversation. Uh, you can go to powderkeg.com right now and get the report absolutely free. Uh, you can learn more about each of these entrepreneurs on the show notes page for this or on the, the Facebook Live page. Uh, please check out their companies. Please check out their organizations. They're doing some amazing work right here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, and if you're outside of Indy and you want us to come do this tech census uh, and tech census report for you, uh, please reach out because we are doing these nationwide. Uh, and we're really excited about, uh, about the tech and innovation that's going on outside of Silicon Valley and the coasts. Thanks so much, guys. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Also, a huge thanks to my guests. Be sure to check out each and every one of them and check out their companies as well. For links to their social profiles and other people, companies, and resources that were mentioned in this episode, head on over to powderkick.com and check out the show notes. Also... Coming up, July 30th, that is Thursday, July 30th, 2020. Uh, Are you curious to learn even more about the incredible growth happening inside of Indianapolis? If so... Our team at Powderkeg has launched a new way to plug into the biggest opportunities in tech beyond Silicon Valley. It's a new series we're calling the UnValley series. If you're looking for a new job, if you're exploring new ways to expand your business, or looking to invest in some of the hottest tech startups out there, we're hosting this one-time virtual event on July 30th at 3 p.m. Eastern, where we're going to give you a new set of tools to level up and plug in with top Indiana tech leaders, founders, and innovators in tech between the coasts hope to see you there virtually of course uh, but also with all the energy of the powder keg community Uh, to find that just go to powderkeg.com slash events and you can register absolutely free it'll be a great chance to plug in and learn even more again that's powderkeg.com slash events and if you want to hear even more interesting stories and conversations with top tier founders leaders and innovators then subscribe to us on itunes at powderkeg.com slash iTunes. We'll catch you next time on the Powder Cake Podcast.